What's good, everybody? It's your boy, Sunny, and I'm back again with another podcast. And on today's episode of Sunny Talk, I'm here with a very special guest. I'm here with Tony. Hello. Hello, everyone. Hey. So, Tony, on this podcast, i like to... Um, well, first, before we start, could you let the people know where they can find you and a little bit about yourself? Um, Sure. So you can find me at uh, Romance Read Along, my new book podcast, uh, where we read and review romance novels, kind of like a book club for the esoteric, the romance uh, novel community. Um, The esoteric romance novel community? That's so niche. I've never heard of that. (laughs) Yeah, well... you have to read a lot of romance novels to get into the really weird stuff. <laughs> it's like any other fandom, I suppose. Okay. Okay, so, um, what was the name of the podcast that was breaking up when you said it? Romance Read Along. It's basically a book club podcast without the uh, huge commitment. Yeah. Nice. And and- we have a Gmail. At the same, uh, the same name. Okay, I'll make sure I have everything uh, plugged in at the what, in the details. So, um, is there any social media they can find you at or anything? Like um, not really. I don't. Uh, I don't subscribe to the Facebook. I don't. You can't find me on Twitter, or you know, I'm just uh, email email me. Okay. That's or great. I suppose you can be on our Patreon. Oh. It's free right now because we're new, so we don't have anything special up. And by the same name. Same name. Okay. Okay. So I'll definitely have all the links provided. Make sure you send them over when we're done. So, um, so let them know a little bit more about yourself. So that's what you do. Uh, who is Tony? Um. Let's see. So. I'm an analytical chemist by trade. That's how I pay my bills. Um, It's a lot more boring than you would think. They very rarely let me set anything on fire. Um, um, What else? Nothing much exciting. I'm a collector of hobbies. You know, if I'm not knitting, I'm chain mailing. If I'm not... Train mailing, I'm gem arting. You know, I'm always doing something. So you actually. But more often. Go ahead. No, so you make actual chain mails, like the the metal shirts? Um, I never went full on shirt because, surprise, surprise, that would take hundreds of hours. <laughs> I usually stuff the chain mail jewelry. Okay. So. Uh, so I, I did about, I did a bunch of necklaces and a necklace of several thousand links will weigh in pounds and take days to produce. So. Mm, sounds tedious. Yeah. Well, the whole thing, I did, uh, I did well enough that I paid for my habit. So okay. I, I always consider it a success if. Selling what you make 
pay, pays enough money to pay for your supplies. Yeah, so it's self-sustaining. Exactly. This way I can do it, and when it's no longer fun anymore, I don't have to keep doing it. Yeah. So and that's, that's really my motto. I usually do a hobby until I make it not fun. Okay. All right. So, and then where would you sell these things? You would sell them, like your jewelry, you sell them to your friends, or did you have like a little stand you would set up? Oh, I'd sell them on Etsy. Mm, perfect. I'm not, I'm not really an in-person sort of person. Okay. That's fine, though. A lot of people sell directly online, and that's great. That's what's up, though. Definitely going to have your Etsy page linked there in the description. Got to make sure to remember all these. Oh. That is completely unnecessary. I haven't had anything on Etsy in quite some time. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, all right. But, well, at least so they can follow it. So when you post your stuff, you know they'll they'll see the new items or whatever. Well, I don't really know how Etsy works. So. <laughs> but um, okay, so that's cool. So where did you grow up? Uh, I grew up all over the place. The okay, longest so we ever spent. In one spot was in Staten Island, New York. Okay. At eight years, we lived there eight years. My okay. uh, my parents were always looking for the newest, the newest house, the newest mm. place to live. You know? Okay. So, all right. So on this podcast, I like to like start from the beginning and kind of like gradually get to to where you're at right now in your life and everything that you got going on. So um, we could kind of, because I know we ha you have a lot of important topics that we need to get to. So let's kind of do like, this This usually drags on through the whole podcast, but let's try to, you know, not rush through it. But, you know, let's just get a, a, a idea of where you were raised. At. So where were you first, Where were you born initially? Like, what was the first home you remember? So I was born in Brooklyn and uh, we lived there till I was five. Um, I don't, I don't much remember our apartment beyond the green carpet, you know, that we had on the floor. Apparently I did put up quite a fuss about having to go to a new kindergarten. Um, mm. but you and then we lived in, Seth, but I don't, I don't remember beyond that, mm -hmm. you know, I, we only lived there till I was five. Yeah. No, well, I'm saying you, you, know? don't, remember, you don't remember the, the kindergarten experience. No, no. Okay. I, I have to admit, as a kid, and maybe maybe it's kind of important for any for context that I state my diagnosis, right? I'm I'm autistic, right? So my experience might not necessarily jive with a lot of other people. Mm -hmm. I didn't really take notice of the other kids around me for probably what would be considered an inappropriately long period of time. I just didn't you know i was more i was more involved in playing by myself than i was really i'm i'm sure that you know like upon arrival at school like other kids tried to interact with me but i don't remember any of that you know what i remember is like like standing by myself play pretending to do pottery you know mm -hmm. I I was not really engaged with the other kids, probably in the way a typical child would have been. Yeah, yeah. You know, 
You're my, more introverted. My it's not even introverted. It's just like to yourself. Just in a lot of ways, for me, they weren't there. You know, it's like I remember pretending to fish in an imaginary pond in like the corner of the schoolyard rather than trying to jump rope with the other kids, you know? Yeah. Okay, I get it. And it, it's, the, thing, the thing about it that makes it really hard for me to describe is my, my experience is so far removed from, like, other children that I don't even really know what, like, would have been normal for a child that age. Mm -hmm. You know, my, my niece lives with me now, and she's seven, and... I find myself constantly like asking her mother and my mother, like, is that normal? Mm. You know, like she'll be doing a thing and I'll be like, I wasn't like that at that age. Is, is that normal? Like do, do regular kids act like that? Or was it like just a me thing that I didn't do whatever it is she's doing, mm. you know? Yeah. And I find like a lot of situations is all like everything is somewhat personal like like everybody has a unique situation growing up because it's like some things that i might have done that were, that other kids would look at and be like what you were doing that that's super weird it was like i also remember like i would be i'll be out playing around so i, I can't i can't but i was also at home a lot by myself and uh sometimes i would feel like isolated but i was i would end up playing with other people but that's why I understand what you say. Like, like when you're describing it, I understand because, like, basically, you're going, you went through, like, it wasn't like you were away from other kids. You were in school with everybody, but because of your diagnosis, you were like, not even just because of your diagnosis, because just how who you are, you you don't really necessarily not remember other kids, but it's like you don't remember. You were just weren't like playing with them. Like they were around. They probably talked to you here and there, but like those uh, interactions didn't stick and like. You weren't interested in that, really. It was more so of a you thing. You were figuring out everything yourself. Am I right? Right? With yeah, that? I think. I mean, I'm sure part of it was that I wasn't diagnosed until I was an adult. So, like, nobody mm. pushed real hard to have me. You know, I only had to act as normal as I had to to get by. You know. Okay. So nobody pushed me hard. You know, so, like, so growing up, like, there was never a situation. Like, Sorry, what? There's actually a lot of. I mean, there's a lot of like noise in the background. I'm not. Is, is are you like around a train station? Not at all. <laughs> okay. I'm I, I mean, I'm I'm actually parked in my driveway in my car with the air conditioner off. This is how I record when I record for my podcast. Because it gives me the most um, isolated wow. sound in enclosed space. Okay. I, I got the idea of a lot of podcasts I like. They uh, they talk about rec recording in their closet. Mm. But I don't have any closets. So this <laughs> completely sweltering hot car is as close to a closet as I can get. Okay, okay. Well, um, damn it. So I lost my train of thought. What were you saying before I interrupted you, sorry? Um, I don't know. You kind of distracted me, and I kind of oh. forgot. Oh, sorry. Oh, matter of fact, what I was going to ask you was, so growing up, 
there was not your parents never like said like, hey something's up with Tony we gotta go let's let's go check get it checked out or anything or like there was never like oh you have this or that like it was just you just grew up normal but you you didn't act normal well well, well people could perceive normal because who normal is subjective you get it yeah mm-hmm. you know my I my parents definitely knew I was odd but like. My parents are very distrustful of doctors, mm. you know, even today. And they're sort of like, you know, the family is everything and not particularly interested in what they consider to be like outsider opinion, mm-hmm. you know? So beyond like the occasional need to, to like, quote unquote, trick an outsider type person, Mm-hmm. You know, my parents never really pushed it. You know, okay. my dad would be all like, could you pretend to be normal for like half an hour? And mm. it was it was more like a like a game or a dare than it was, you know, any real pressure to conform. Mm. Like he didn't actually expect me to be normal in real life. He just wanted me to like trick somebody into thinking that I was normal, you know? Oh, like it was situational, like somebody was coming around or something like, yo, just, um, can you just like act a little normal for like this next hour and a half? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Okay. Okay. Damn, and it so wasn't... Do you think he was being sarcastic in a way? I don't know. See, that's a hard thing about like that's the hard thing about my diagnosis, interpreting other people's motivation, right? Mm-hmm. Because I just, I just naturally assume everybody's being straightforward and or truthful, right? Mm-hmm. Which is why, like, if you lie to me and I catch you, I'm just going to assume everything you say from that point forward is a lie because I can't tell the difference, right? Yeah. Lies and feel exactly the same to me. So I'm going to assume that if you're a liar, you're a liar and nothing you say is the truth. But until you're proven guilty of that, I'm just going to assume like everything you say is true and straightforward, you know? Okay. All right. Damn, so. Wow. So that was, um, so how, how would you feel when your dad would tell you that? Like looking back at it. Like I said, it, it, it was a game, you know? And honestly, I can't think of an instance where it was like at our house. Mm-hmm. If my memory serves me correct, we were like out. I can't remember. I think we were out at a doctor's office, maybe, mm-hmm. like for my mom, where he just like needed the doctor's attention to be on her. Oh, okay. I, I think, okay. you know, I can't even remember. I can't even say for sure, but it was just like a away from home sort of situation where it was like, okay, I need you. I need you to pretend to be normal, and it was very helpful, right? Because eventually, I had to get a job, right? Mm. And jobs require interviews, and you know, I I can prove I can pretend for for like half an hour to an hour long enough to convince somebody to hire me. 
mm-hmm. you know. And then, and then, like, once you hire me, I do a good enough job that you're unlikely to try and fire me. Okay. But what would, I don't, so what are examples, of, like, what are you doing that's not normal? Because, like, I, I, I mean, that, that's a really hard one because, like, it is very normal for an autistic person. So you don't even realize you're doing it most times. Mm-hmm. Like, I have, I don't know what you know about autism, but, like, a lot of autistic people have what they call stims, mm-hmm. which are, like, um, they're like physical movements that help them focus or keep calm, mm-hmm. you know, like uh, rocking yeah. or finger tapping or toe tapping. You know, I tend I tend to um, hum to myself a lot, you know, to like quiet quiet the anxiety in my head or my thoughts, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I also like uh, I chewed a lot of pencils in my life, you know. Basic, basically, uh, the only way I could quit chewing my nails and quit like chewing entire packs of pencils was to switch to to drinking things out of straws because then at least they were like socially appropriate things to put in your mouth. Mm. Okay. You know, it just so. So masking, that's what it's called when you, when you, that's the, I don't know if it's clinical, but that's the correct term for when you, the technical term for pretending to be normal is like when you're masking, there's a lot of energy put into that, right? You have to consciously think about all your movements and all your, everything you say, right? Because an autistic person has a, tendency to frame everything they say, especially things that are like very emotional through the Mm -hmm. lens of their special interest, whatever that special interest might be. And a neurotypical person has a tendency to not to not see the discussion like happening under the discussion. Right? So like like, depending on what, what the autistic person is actually interested in, they might be, you know, they might be talking about, like, trains or books or Yu-Gi-Oh or Pokemon or whatever. But what they might be trying to say would might relate to, you know, their feelings or, you know, the challenges they face in their life mm. or some other... Right? Okay. Because it, because that's just the the framing device, the lens through which they express themselves. Yeah. Right. So when it. you're when you're masking, you have to take care not to let your speech get away from you. Right. To focus on you have to talking it. in such a way that a neurotypical person would understand what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Okay. No, I get it. I get it. I'm just because when you're when you're explaining this, I'm like thinking of like people that you know that I might have that I know that are on the spectrum or whatever. But it's like a lot. Every person that I've met that is on the spectrum is different. 
completely different ways. So it's just like it's hard to grasp sometimes, like that that person, like someone else's experience, because it's just like you might know someone that is like, well, I don't know the right terminology, but you know, it's just like different. Yeah, well, that's why they say it's a spectrum, right? No two autistic people's experience is exactly the same. And no two autistic people present exactly the same way. But, you know, fundamentally, autism is a communication and sensory processing disorder, right? Mm. So even if they don't present in the same way, they come from the same place, you know? Yeah, I get it. Okay, I understand it. So it's just, it's just that area of the brain, basically. Right. It's just that the brain. It. I like to think of it as the brain running a different operating system. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know. Yeah. Okay. That's crazy. Not crazy, but you know what I mean. I'm sorry. I'm using the wrong words. Okay, so, uh, so damn, so, so you see, like, now that you explain all that, it's just, like, thinking back, and it's, like, you say it might have helped you when your dad and all that was doing that, but it was, like, that was really, like, the moments where they should have been trying to really figure out what's going on with you. Like, you got it early on, but you said, like you said, they they were anti-hospital and and doctors, so it's just, like, it was a situation. There's there's no real way to like know how the situation how my outcome would have changed had we done things differently, you know. To think that I would not have been helped by early intervention, especially because of my my personality, right? But a lot a lot of early intervention, especially when I was a kid, focused on you know getting you to like behave like a normal person which is very stressful for an autistic person and leads to burnout you know um another thing is i'm obviously female and at the time i was young enough that they would have been looking to diagnose me with autism they wouldn't have been looking to diagnose me uh, because I'm female and yeah. it was not right. That was not on the radar for for someone uh, okay. who wasn't male. You know, so could it or could it have helped? I don't really know. You know, I'm I am the person who I am, and you know, I've always been okay. You know, with being myself. Yeah. And I think that kind of acceptance is really important. Yeah. You know, for. For everybody, you know, but for autistic people in general, because we struggle to to set boundaries, you know, yeah. like a like a like a normal kid will say, you know, get to a certain age and then to start pushing back against their parents, whereas an autistic kid might just assume that their parents are right, you know, mm-hmm. they their parents tell them they're right, their parents are their parents. And unless their parents have been, you know, have proven themselves previously untrustworthy, they're just going to sort of, like, continue to assume that everything's fine, right? Like, yeah. this is fine. This is normal. This is the way we do things, yeah. right? So it's really a, a tenuous situation, 
you know, what kind of occupational help could I have gotten as a youngster? I don't really know because what was available at the time was really terrible. Yeah. And honestly, what's available now isn't much better, you know? What, one of the reasons I was so, um, I was so really energized to be on your podcast is because, you know, the, the autism self-advocacy community is like really struggling to make headway, you know, everywhere you see, you know, puzzle pieces for autism speak and like autistic people, especially people active in the in the sort of self-advocacy community kind of really hate them you know what it is too it's it's crazy sorry to cut you off but it's like now that you say that it's like yes have you seen it and every time i see that i'm like okay they put the puzzle piece but what are they doing for that actual community like it's always like are they doing this just for show like why are they putting that there right now you get it yeah it was like it goes beyond the fact that they're like making money off our backs without really helping us. Because that's the, it's my that, brain yeah. It's that Autism Speaks as a charity in and of itself prioritizes the comfort of the neurotypical parents over the actual autistic people. Mm. Like the what autistic person on their board quit because they were being so like anti-autistic right the whole thing is we've got to move the conversation away from focusing on autism as an inconvenience to neurotypical people and focusing on the way autism affects actual autistic people Mm -hmm. the the actual study of it I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm a scientist. I'm all for studying anything. But more for like Open. like when a when a non-autistic person sees an autistic person do something. They're mm-hmm. like, "Oh, that's so weird. Why are they doing that?" Or I can't tell you the number of times I've heard somebody say, you know, they did a thing for no reason. And I'm like, just because you don't know the reason and it looks weird to you doesn't mean there's no reason. Yeah. You know? You know, an autistic person might go to a lecture wearing a, a pair of headphones, not because they're not interested in the lecture, but because the lecture is too loud for them to appreciate without mm-hmm. their headphones. Or they might go with the headphones just because the headphones provide comforting pressure on the side of their head. Yeah. You know, you don't, it's just a you don't know, why, right. you don't know why they're wearing them. And to be quite honest, it's not your business. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think, I think the autism community could be helped a great deal by a lot more like judgment free zones and a mm-hmm. lot more, like people minding their own business. Yeah. You know, and, and giving people the space to find out what works for them as far as coping mechanisms. 
website. Mm-hmm. I don't go to the grocery store because hyping myself up to go into the grocery store takes longer than me doing my grocery shopping. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I don't know why it's uncomfortable for me to go to the grocery store, and I don't need to know why, right? I can yeah. just have my groceries Instacarted because it makes my life a lot easier, right? And, you know, it. why does this have to be a big deal? You know, it takes me an hour. To, it takes me seven minutes to get physically ready to get dressed and leave my house. It takes me an hour to get mentally ready to face a day, right, with my coworkers, right? Mm-hmm. I, I sit in my car, I think, I plan, I get myself together. Like, sure, that's weird to you, but, like, you don't need to, like, you don't need to worry about it. If it works for me, it works for me. Oh, you no, know? it's not weird to me. Oh, you just mean figuratively. You're just saying. In general, right? You know, usually after a day of uh, an eight hour day of work, I'm exhausted and I need a nap. So Mm -hmm. people will find me napping in my car. Don't be knocking on my window when I'm napping in my car, right? Like, that's a me by myself private space. You know? Yeah. But this is like at the parking lot at your building? Yeah, it's the parking lot at my work because I'm too tired to drive home. But what would it be just like a you security know. guard or, or somebody trying to be nosy? Usually it's a coworker. They're like, why are you sleeping? Mm-hmm. You know, what's the problem? Sometimes they want to be nice. They want to know if I need any help. Yeah. Like, I, I don't need any help. I just, you know, and honestly, it's been a lot less bad since I've stopped masking. Right, mm. since I stopped trying to pretend all day at work. So the, your coworkers, they basically like try to be nosy and shit. I was gonna ask you. Uh, oh no, you were saying that once you start, you stop masking, everything started being be- going better for you. Well, not necessarily better. It's just I stopped being quite as exhausted because mm. it's it's very exhausting, but mm. like necessary. If you don't have good masking skills, it's really hard as an autistic person to get a job, right? Because well, I was starting to, I was starting to spout statistics, right? Eighty, I think it's something like eighty-eight percent of autistic people are either unemployed or underemployed. Mm-hmm. You know, because it's, people focus on the the limits or our differences rather than our capabilities. Yeah. Okay. No, I get it. Uh, and it, it, and that's part of, isn't that doing back to like that, how everybody is different? There's more, sometimes like, I, I wouldn't want to say severe. I don't, I, don't, I don't know like what's the right terminology. Because I, I also have someone close to me that their sibling is, like they grew up with an autistic sibling their whole life. And like, it, that was very, not, not tough for her, but it's like, like the stuff that you say, like people would say, like, oh, they're being weird and shit, and like they have to deal with that. You get it? And they will get into stuff because they will fight people for calling, like, you know, trying to call their brother crazy or something just because they don't understand and you know how kids can be cruel. So I, like, yeah. I understand how it's like different levels and like most, because like most of the ones that I've seen is like 
like honestly, like from people that I know that are um, autistic, I'll probably say like I probably met like ten in my life. You and one other person is like the only ones that I know that like you know that they talk that at least that are diagnosed or that I know that that they're diagnosed. You get it? Like you guys are the two that like live somewhat normal lives. You get it? Like go to work and stuff and have. You know, like he, he him, he's a, he's actually a doctor, not a doctor, a nurse. He's like a traveling nurse. But uh, yeah, yeah, but like you know, so out of the ten that I've met, like two, it's whoa, wow, like you said, it's like eighty percent, yeah. Well, there's a there's a thing, right, where if you're able to to pass, right, there's a push to not get diagnosed at all, right? It's like you're close enough to normal that people feel like you don't need a diagnosis, right? Yeah. Or you, you can hide it well enough that you don't need a diagnosis. Uh, damn, you, right? you know you say that and kind of reminds me of like shit that I used to do. I don't know. Because I, I feel like I used to, the, the old you say I was stupid or weird like growing up, but then like, I don't know. It just stopped happening after a while, but like, I was always smart and everything. But I feel like that's it's different levels. You never, I never know if I could be on the spectrum or whatever. Who knows? Yeah, you know, it's one of those things that a lot of people don't think about until they start to have a problem. Mm-hmm. But it is a very specific cluster of things, right? It it's like, um. You know, I, I tend to be the sort who's, like, not against people who do who do their own looking into it and, and self-diagnose because, like, not everybody can afford an official diagnosis. Mm-hmm. But some people will get really angry, you know, and be like, you know, stop co-opting my diagnosis. Not everyone is autistic. Yeah, you know, and I'm like, listen, there's enough room in the pool for everyone, right? If so, if you have if if you have a sensory problem, come on in, you know. Yeah. If if you might have a communication disorder, come on in, you know. Yeah. Well, I, I wouldn't say like you know. I also I wouldn't want to say that I'm like self diagnosed myself or anything like that either. You know, I would just thinking like. A lot of people, some people go through life, like, I could probably relate to someone that probably was like, oh, I don't know. That person was, like, a little weird or whatever, but seems pretty normal to me. You get it? And yeah. so it's like, they, yeah. Well, I feel like I messed it up. Well, basically what I was trying to say is, like, I I could see how a lot of people could go through life, like, without being... So without being diagnosed, like and like they're just normal enough that it's not a like problem. Like like you were saying, like they're encouraged that if you're so, you're you're normal enough, so like don't don't go get the diagnosis, or whatever. I'm not. I don't know. I'm messing up, but you know what I mean. Sorry. We all we all have our challenges, right? Yeah. And and if. If you're not motivated to look, or if your challenges aren't particularly found, you might just skip it. 
you know? So can you, can you take me back to that moment when you decided to go get diagnosed or what happened in that instance? Well, it was a, it was a combination. I, have, I was having some... So in addition to being, um, into being autistic, I also have epilepsy, um, which both, uh, which both is a nuisance, but also kind of helps me because the, the medication I take for my epilepsy sort of helps me deal with some of the sensory symptoms of my autism, right? So that's, that's a plus for me. You know, I'm happy that I got epilepsy as a comorbid instead of something like um, OCD or Ehlers-Danlos or ADHD, right? Because a lot of a lot of people with autism have a like a comorbid diagnosis. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I I was changing up the medication that I was prescribed for my seizures, my seizures, and as a result, I was having some personality changes. Uh... Right? And and these personality changes were causing me difficulties at work. Mm-hmm. Right? And I was like, this is not good. Right? I need I need to institute some kind of I need to institute some kind of um protection for me. All right. I I have to be okay. I have to be candid. So under normal circumstances, mm-hmm. when properly medicated, I'm I'm pretty ace. You know, I'm not I'm not the kind of person who dates, right? But when improperly medicated, I start getting ideas, and so I asked out a coworker who just so happened to be my boss's ex boyfriend. Oh no! And. Yes, yes. And this um, wound up causing a cascade of problems, as you might imagine, right? Okay. Wait, so on your medication, you, 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 pretty, like, you, don't, you don't think about having inter- being sexual, for lack of a better term? But um, I, when you more switch- than that, it's like, it's like I'm, I'm very disconnected. From basically my body, mm-hmm. in, in when I'm properly medicated, it's like only the the vehicle that carries my consciousness around, you know. Mm-hmm. Okay. But and, and it's not just like it's not just like wanting to date. Like when I'm improperly medicated, I start having like all kinds of feelings. You know, I'm yeah. more more aggressive, more angry, more happy. Just more everything. Yeah. Right? Which is super inconvenient. Right? And it's super inconvenient if you're like a kid. Right? Mm -hmm. But it's extra inconvenient if you're a grown adult who needs to like hold down a job and can't be like having like out of control feelings all over the place. Yeah. Okay, I get it. So, so that so that, so that happened. So that mm-hmm. happened, and and I was like, I'd already been spending a lot of time, you know, involved in the autistic community online, mm-hmm. and like 
one part of being autistic, I think, is feeling like imposter syndrome, where like you're never quite sure if you really are. You know, it's like I wouldn't call myself a chemist even after I had the degree until I had a job where my literal title was chemist. Mm-hmm. Right? Like you need the sort of external validation to tell you that you are who you are, right? I think it, I, I think it's not exclusive to the autism community, but it's certainly a common characteristic of people mm-hmm. on the spectrum. So, like, I was really uncomfortable saying I was autistic and participating fully in the community until I had that piece of paper that said, no, no, you've got the autism, you can say it. You know, mm-hmm. so so I went I went ahead and I looked I looked for a um, neuropsychologist in my area, and you know it's important to go to your evaluations prepared, you know, with all your evidence. You can't just go to the doctor and expect like the doctor to do the work, right? Mm-hmm. If you've been effective at masking. Or are not like like a straight white male person, mm-hmm. right? Because there's been like almost no study on autism, and what study there has been has been very limited in its scope of like who and under what conditions and like what area of the spectrum, mm-hmm. like. For a while, it was very hard to get diagnosed if you weren't nonverbal, right? And not all autistic people are nonverbal. Yeah. You know? It still bothers me a lot because I think there's a large segment of the autistic population who's potentially being underestimated because of communication issues, right? Like, we all know the story of Helen Keller and how... Mm -hmm. Like, how how very easily she could have been dismissed. Sorry, hello, you're breaking up. Hello? Uh, Sorry, you were breaking up. You said what? You were talking about Helen Keller? That she could have been dismissed? Yeah, so Helen Keller, you know, graduated college, wound up, you know, giving on speaking tours, right? But she's very, if she had had different parents or like if her parents didn't have money, you know, she never, she in all likelihood never would have learned to speak, communicate, pardon me, mm-hmm. at all, right? And then nobody would have known what an intelligent person she was, right? Mm-hmm. So it's, it's not easy a nonverbal person in a verbal world, whatever whatever causes you to communicate in a nonverbal fashion, right? Yeah. We instinctively, you know, that's the way people expect you to instinctively learn to communicate. And if you can't instinctively learn to communicate that way and need to learn a different way, there the support system isn't there to automatically teach you that, mm-hmm. right? I mean, it, it's it's coming, right? Occasionally, you'll see articles on how, like, 
if your baby is speech delayed, try starting uh, to sign with that. Mm. Right? Mm -hmm. But still, the focus is on teaching teaching them to speak, right? And not everybody's going to learn to speak. You know, we have to we have to shift the focus more towards meeting people where they are, right? And accepting that not everybody communicates the same way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, 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 it's tough because it's like, it's so uh, complex and there's like so many layers, but it, it's like you said, there's no direct approach. Everything is like tailor-made. You gotta, and then it depends on like the financial abilities of the parents. There should be more help, but it's like, and I don't know. It's weird. Not weird, but it's just like, it's hard. It's a, it's a difficult situation. It is. It is. And it's, um, it's a real struggle because it's not just, you know, it's not just about the fact that there isn't enough help, right? There isn't enough resources. There are also, the resources are pointed in the wrong direction, mm. right? Like I said, that's, that's the main beef with autism speaks. It's like, it's too tailored to the parents. On, yes, it's focusing on making autistic people less inconvenient, mm-hmm. right? And it's like, it's like if you meet somebody who speaks a different language than you do, right? Yeah. And you automatically expect that they're going to learn your language, mm-hmm. right? And that's hard enough, but like, then you don't do anything to help them learn your language. Yeah. Right? And it's like, we, we have to be willing to accept that, you know, we text all the time nowadays. Yeah. Right? And we just got to accept that some people are, are believe people when they tell you, like, listen, I can't talk on the phone. I only communicate through text message or email, right? Mm-hmm. Give people the support so even if they haven't learned to speak, they can learn to write. Yeah. Right? Writing can use different portions of the brain. We should mm-hmm. we should make sure that we emphasize that and we get people, you know, the right kind of support instead mm-hmm. of focusing on them. Just one part, yeah. Well, more convenient for us that we've got to move away from from forcing nonverbal people oh, yes, to yes, communicate. Yes. Yeah. You know, we have the technology to easily switch to allow people to communicate a different way. Yeah. Right. But if we don't give them the opportunity, yeah. Right. Both both by like you know focusing our our teaching techniques to what they can do or can do more easily right mm-hmm. and to accepting that form of communication you know we're gonna we're gonna have poor outcomes and I say this as someone who much prefers to communicate verbally right it's it's much easier for me to frame my thoughts in in verbal words than it is for me to do it in life, right? But it's a spectrum and I'm not the only person. And, you know, 
we all have concerns, you know, in the community for people with difficulties, right, that are not ours, right? I know what my concerns are. And, you know, I don't, there's just, we all have to do it, whether our skill is writing or speaking to get our voices out more. Because right now, number of articles written about autistic people by non-autistic people far outweighs the number of autistic people getting published to write about Mm. themselves, you know? Yeah. And what what do you think that, do you you think that, um, that publications don't take you guys serious? Like, they look over you guys, they rather go to someone who's more notable, they just hype up the or probably just like they they um do you, do you think you guys get equal like representation like in like journalism I think part of it is a lack of like already famous autistic people being willing mm. to say I have autism and I think but I think a majority of it is you know Jobs in the creative field depend a lot on the ability of the creator to sell themselves and their work, right? Mm -hmm. And when you have a communication disorder, one of the things you struggle with most is sort of the ability to communicate and to sell your own work, right? I can write the best article in the world, but if I can't convince anybody to publish it nobody's going to read it and nobody's going to be convinced by it you know yeah. and I think I think there's no support yeah, yeah. I was, it's not there's just we lack a very specific skill that prevents us from communicating effectively with people outside of our own bubble mm-hmm. you know I but, think, I mean, you know, my- yeah. sorry, sorry to cut you off, but I feel like it's more so to me, it seems more just like a lack of support because it's just like if you guys because you, you, you're able to articulate your words. And I'm pretty sure if you had enough time, you, you would write an amazing article or or, or your, I'm pretty sure your podcast is like amazing on its own. The book, I mean, you have a whole book club podcast. You get it like this. That's high level. <laughs> thinking and like articulations and all that you get it so it's just like there's no reason why there shouldn't be more um autistic people speaking their own truths out there you get it or at least have like representation like let's say at the new york times have someone on staff that's a high function autistic person that could give you the perspective of that community well, that's the thing, right? The, we communicate a lot amongst ourselves, right? Mm-hmm. You'll definitely find autistic spaces on the internet. The, the internet was basically designed for autistic people, right? Mm-hmm. We, you know, we find ourselves, we find each other based on our weird particular interests or on our autism in general, and then we just communicate directly there. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it's very hard as an autistic person to convince a non-autistic person to 
listen to you, right? Yeah. When when you communicate autistic person to autistic person, at least at least if both autistic people are self aware, you'll find that <laughs> you'll find of a lot of blame taking, right? Mm-hmm. It's like if it's miscommunication, both sides will be like, Oh, I'm sorry, that's my fault. I should have phrased that better. Oh, please don't, you know, because we're both so used to being misunderstood, mm-hmm. right? But when you, as an autistic person, communicate to a non-autistic person, if you, if you don't mask highly, then the chance of them being offended is often very high. And it's like, mm. no, I'm not going to do that, right? Plus, but as a person in a professional setting, if you apologize too much, right, that's seen as like a sign of weakness or yeah. a reason to not be taken seriously, right? Yeah. And if you mask too much, then then you'll get like, are you really autistic enough to represent the autistic community? You know? Yeah. So there's there's just no winning. And I'm not I'm not saying like it shouldn't be done or it couldn't be done, right? If if instead of like taking guidance from autistic charities that focus on, you know, the non autistic parents of autistic people, you know, mm. we listen to actual autistic people, that'd be yeah. great. You know. You, you, you know, you you keep bringing that up, and it's to me, it just it's just like the it, it comes back to like the fact that America is is based on capitalism, and they they're always gonna go to the consumer because in their eyes, the parent is the one that's paying for this and like support, and you get it. They're not focusing on the the actual ex, like just like trying to. Mm-hmm. Sorry, what? I mean, that's definitely a thing. But one yeah. of the things, like, as a science professional and just just as a general professional is, you know, the, the marketplace misses out on a vast quantity of talent because mm-hmm. autistic people can do things that non-autistic people struggle with, right? Mm-hmm. I myself am very good at tedious stuff and stuff that requires a great deal of focus, right? Some creative athletes are very good at, you know, creative things, you know, wild out there, out of the box solutions, right? And the problem is, the problem is like hire, like hiring anybody else, right? You hire the same people, the same kinds of people, you get the same kinds of ideas, the same kinds of solutions, right? But, you know, when you when you show up to an interview in a suit with headphones, people are going to be, you know, more dismissive, mm-hmm. you know? If you tell people that the fluorescent lights at your office are too loud, chances are good you're going to be seen as a problem, yeah. right? And it's like, I'm not trying to be a problem. I'm just trying to produce the best work I can produce. Yeah, but then right? that, that takes the, the, at that point, it's like, um, 
it will have to be that hiring manager will have to be somewhat empathetic that they're not just looking at you like, oh, this person's going to be an issue. And they're like, okay, no, they're looking at it like, all right, this person's going to work hard. There might be, they have some things that maybe we could work on. Maybe we could put them in a room that's different or whatever, but we see the potential. This is a highly qualified person and we see the potential. But that, well, that comes very often willing to put up with a lot of other nonsense that non-autistic people aren't willing to put up with. You know, mm. you put a non-autistic person in a closet and you tell them it's an office, they're going to complain, right? But uh, mm-hmm. but most autistic people would be like, that's great. I, I love my new office. Thank you. Right? You know, and I'm not saying that we're not inconvenient, right? But like mm-hmm. a person in a wheelchair is inconvenient. A blind person is inconvenient. But that doesn't mean that you wouldn't hire them, right? Yeah. Whereas somebody with autism, our disability is just seen as you being difficult mm-hmm. rather than as a little bit neurological difference that it is. Yeah. Uh, okay, yeah. I see how that could be. Well, I feel like that probably comes from the that definitely comes from the stigma of like the t- not the typical but like the the majority of cases we see is people that that they're nonverbal and like lash out and stuff like that. Not lash out, but because it's it's all different. I, I just don't know the per- the proper terminology. I'm sorry, but um, that's probably why they they have like that that mindset like oh this is an autistic person. Hold on, I don't know what they're gonna be doing. And then it's like they're probably thrown off, and then they're like, "Oh, they seem normal. It's not what I'm used to." So it's 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 difficult, but it's, it's definitely a case by case situation because then it, it could be a person that they might also be autistic, or and they they hire you or someone that that they know someone that's autistic that um that they know is is a, is is a, a spectrum and that they have faith that you could probably compete. Uh, do the job the proper way. But um, what I wanted to touch on, sorry, is that uh, you said that, so you said like, um, would, would you say that autistic people, well, you just said it, that the autistic people are, are more compliant with certain situations. Like, let's say at the, your job is just being a dick and like, there's not a lot, they're not up on their laws. Like, let's say they have to have a water fountain there or whatever, or they have to have a, just certain specific type of shit like that a workplace is supposed to have, but the autistic person won't complain as much, you'll say? I think, like you say, it's a spectrum, but a large a large percentage of the autistic community just wants to get along, mm-hmm. right? And we'll also, you know, depending on their experience, just assume whatever the office is doing, that's what they're supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. Right, you know, it's like there's no water fountain. Well, I I guess we shouldn't be drinking water at our desk, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. You know, we're only allowed, you know, five minutes for a break every six hours. Well, I guess that's the rule, right? You know, like most autistic people are very rule oriented. Now, yeah. some of us won't follow a rule without a reason. But, like, even, even the, I need a reason for this, for following this rule, if you take the time to explain the rule, the reason doesn't necessarily have to be good, right? 
it just has to be something beyond because I said so, right? Yeah. It's like, you know, we need to get X number of things done in Y number of minutes, you know, is, so you can't take more than five minutes. We need, we're depending on you. Yeah. The we're dependent on you mentality works really well on an autistic person, at least mm-hmm. this autistic person, right? Like, I can't speak for everyone, but I, it has been my experience that we're more willing to, you know, throw ourselves on the grenade than your average person. Yeah, you, you, you guys are team players. You're there. You, you, you're just trying to get along. And like you said, at the end of the day, you you probably, ha- like, being that you're autistic, you're like, yo, I really actually need this job. Like, who knows when I'm going to be able to be hired at another place. I'm here for this. I'm here. Like, I'm trying to work. But, but also, so many of us are just so desperate to be part of the team, right? Oh, with the mask. And you know, that. yes, yes, yes. Like we just really want to be part of the group, and we are often very used to being shut out from the group, right? I mean, mm-hmm. it's like a it's a movie and television trope, like like the whole te- um, towel kid or water boy or you know the person who like doesn't play the sport mm-hmm. but who like. Really wants to be a member of the team and so borderline lets the team abuse them just so that they can, you know, sort of say they're part of the team. Yeah. You know, and I'm not I'm not saying that's true for everyone, right? We we all have different experiences that shape us. But you know, I I've met so many of our people that are just so desperate to be part of the group, mm-hmm. right? That they'll like they'll go above and beyond for their coworkers, both in and out of work settings. Yeah. If if they just knew what they were supposed to do, right? Like clear instructions, being asked to do a thing, being told that you're the only one who could do the thing, whether it's true or not, right? Is it's just so motivating. Yeah. And you could have so many loyal employees if you are just, you know, willing to look past somebody's weird obsession with Pokemon or axolotls or yeah. fish or dinosaurs or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, it's, that's, that's good. That's, that's good. That's true. And it's like, it makes sense because it's like, this person is is, is going to be less likely to, like you said, like uh, oppose authority. And it's like, hey, that's the way it's supposed to be. Is the way it's supposed to be. Like we're we're at work. That's what it. That's what we're doing. But um, I also wanted to. So I, I know we're tight on time. So I want to make sure you get all the the stories that you want to get out there. Or any of the main messages you want to get out there? Because I know we have like about ten minutes left. Um, no, I mean, I, I think we hit most of the high points, you know, I'm, I'm not sure how you're going to cut this and, um, you know, I don't, I don't want to be a dick, 
And also, I don't want to claim to speak for everybody. Oh, no, it this is, is very your much personal experience. Yeah, that, that's all I'm saying. This is yeah. my personal experience, you know, and, and you know, I, I, I'm involved in several autism forums, and, you know, there's just so many people who are in, you know, bad situations because they can't figure out, you know, how to get their parents to stop being terrible to them yeah. or accept them as they are or, you know, you know, convince somebody to take a chance on employing them, right? And, you know, and there are so many people who are just sad because they're lonely, you know, and it's, it's like, it's hard when, you know, because as an, as an autistic person, a lot of us just really want to talk about whatever the thing is that we're really interested in right now. And most people really don't want to hear it, right? And honestly, you got to set boundaries because if you let an autistic person talk, they will talk forever about yeah. whatever it is they're interested in, right? I didn't just start a whole podcast for no reason, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it takes so little to make somebody's day to just let them talk about something that interests them for like half an hour. Yeah. You don't even have to actually be interested. You don't have to pay attention. You don't have to remember anything they say. Just stand there and let them talk at you yeah. because you know they might not be getting that anywhere else in their life you I mean, know and it sorry i was gonna say i didn't do like that's kind of why i started this like just to talk to people hear everybody's story man everybody has a story and it is important like don't let anybody belittle you everybody is is meant for great things or even like if maybe if you don't think like that what you're doing is great like you you're here for a reason and you're gonna find that reason eventually. It might be something little, you might just you you might not even know that you're changing someone else's life by even just sharing your story and just living. You get it? Like that's why we always gotta push forward and stay on the bright side and just, you know. Sorry that I cut you off. No, it's okay. Yeah. But oh, oh. I Sorry, because I wanted to ask you some few more questions. So, um, you, as you were saying just now, like you never know who's gonna make your your day. What were some of like the good moments that you experienced, like either in like the art, like bonding with other people that are artistic, or just someone that like knew your situation and like you felt like, yeah, that person is a great person. Like they they made me feel good. Can you share any of those moments? I, I don't know. Every once in a while, you know, my mom or my aunt will let me talk. And, you know, half an hour to an hour will go by and I'll realize, excuse me, that I've just summarized the plot of a book that they have no interest in reading and really no interest in hearing about. But that they've, you know, sat there and smiled, you know, and offered me a coffee or whatever. And, you know, it, it makes you feel better. 
mm-hmm. you know, and I, I try and pass that along, right? You know, um, let me see if I can find it. I know, you know, like I, I try to support autistic creators, you know, like, um, darn it, I don't have it. Um, you know, like I, by buying things from, from them when I need a, when I need a gift for somebody, you know. Yeah. Or, you know, like a, like a tiny painting or whatever. Or a, you support the community. Yeah, you, you support the community. You know, we, we have a lot of people who'll be like, you know, anybody interested in, you know, we call it info dump. It's mm-hmm. when you like talk about your special interest sort of unrestrained mm-hmm. and it's like, you know, anybody listen to me in info dump about axolotls or whatever. And I try to, you know, like engage and encourage those discussions. Are you really you know? into axolotls? I'm not, but yeah. <laughs> some people on the are, and okay. they're very cute. So, you know, for a while they were a big thing. Plushies were a big thing. Hmm. No, I get it. That's cool. So, um, so any um, what are some of the messages you want to leave with everybody? Well, I I got a pretty much. Uh, I, I got a. Can can I summarize kind of what I think? Like what I took away from this, I kind of took away like, if don't don't be butting into people's business. That if you see somebody walking around that they they might look like they're doing something a little odd, as long as they're not hurting anybody or hurting themselves, like. Mind your business, bro. You don't know why that person is acting the way they're doing, the way they are. Like, they might be going through something. That might be a, a coping mechanism for them. Just like, and then also, like, that, if that person tries to talk to you, you got five minutes, give them the five minutes you got. Don't don't be so judgy. That's true. You know, don't be judgy, you know. Maybe, honestly, it's basically the same advice you give about to be to how to treat neurotypical people like just don't be a dick yeah. right be kind and you know like recognize that other people have feelings that you may not understand right you know i get that a meltdown can be very scary for someone like watching it mm-hmm. but you know not really pleasant for the person having one either it's not something that they can control because if you've gotten to the point of a meltdown, you are no longer in control of your own actions, right? Mm-hmm. The point, the point is, we should make it so that nobody has to get to that place, right? We should help people develop coping mechanisms to avoid overstimulation, right? Believe people when they say they can't talk right now, yeah. right? Even if they're like. You know, just believe people, even if they don't appear to be busy. You know, if it takes somebody four hours to grocery shop, don't give them a hard time. You know, maybe ask them why and try to, you know, think out a way to, you know, make it more efficient. Yeah. That. Yeah. Right? Ask them, hey, can I grab some of this for you? Like, you gotta, like, don't just judge somebody. Yeah, where? I get the hell yeah. I mean, you don't have to do it for them, right? Like I said, the Instacart thing is a great idea, mm-hmm. right? You know, I um, I just 
started my podcast and just this week I suggested to somebody else, you know, who was struggling with the, with their special interests because nobody wanted to hear it. And I suggested that they start a podcast, right? You know, because when, when one person in your family only wants to talk about one thing all the time, that can be annoying and a source of conflict. And, you know, we don't fail to realize that. We just struggle to talk about anything else, mm-hmm. right? And, and, you know, as, as inconvenient and annoying as that is, that has also led to a lot of scientific discoveries in the past. Right. Because our focused interest has allowed us to maintain an interest in an area well past the point of reason and to discover things. Mm-hmm. Right. And to work out problems. But, you know, you can't be burdening family members who really don't want to hear about it for like the 15th time that day. Right. Sometimes you've got to be able to talk about their things. So if you need, you know, if you need to get it out and you can't find anybody else who shares your special interest, you know, start a podcast, send it out into the void and hopefully, you know, it'll find some love. So um, let the people know where they can find you again. Uh, Like I said, my new podcast is called Romance Read-Along. So so far, it's on everything but iTunes. I can't convince iTunes to load my picture. So there's uh, that. Um, um, the, is it the picture thing? I, I can see. For, I forgot what I had to do. You have to do something else. To, you might have to hit up. Um, you have to hit up the, the help. And are you doing it through Anchor? Uh, I was doing. I'm doing it through Podbean. Hmm. You should look into spot uh Spotify uh by pod- podcaster by Spotify. It used to be called Anchor. It's pretty easy, and then you could load everything up through there. But I mean, you should be able to get the if it's just a picture issue, that should be easy to fix. Because Apple is one of the best it's, ones to put out. I've resized it like three or four times. I I resized it and resubmitted it so many times that they told me I've used up all my attempts. What? Yeah, so I'm just like, I can't, yeah, I, so I did, I submitted a ticket, hopefully they send me an email, okay. figuring out how to, uh, how to find it, oh. but, oh. uh, yeah, so romance. all my stuff is, mm-hmm. romance, read along, one word, and you can find me on most of your non-iTunes related podcasting apps. You know, uh, Google, uh, uh, iHeart, uh, Spotify, probably Stitcher, all of all of them except iTunes. Um, my Gmail is romance read along at Gmail, just one word. Um, and same for our Patreon. Although, like I said, follow us, message us, but we don't have any tiers yet, so don't give us. Don't sign up for anything because so far we're just we're just getting ideas and uh, recording with as many guests as we can. Okay, so how, how many is it? You and a co-host? 
Um, I have a regular co-host that does um, every other week. Mm -hmm. And then basically, I'm soliciting for as many guest co-hosts as possible. Okay. Nice. Um, my my preference is to um, basically spring a romance novel on someone who hasn't read one before and see how they react. Um, because it's a very misunderstood genre and is the best-selling genre in fiction and maybe total. Um you know, more people, you'd think more people should read it, you know, to understand the differences. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm also, you know, I'm also accepting, like, people who want to, um, Get you know, it. promote their promote their new book. Or mm -hmm. uh, if you're in something really weird that you just want to rave about, you know, hit me up. Okay, I could probably try to hook you up with some... I got a couple. I've had a couple of authors on, so, I, well, but they're kind of sci-fi. Both of them. Now that I think about it, they're both female. Also, is a uh, one. Her name was Natalie Hibbard. She, she has a series, and then, uh, damn, the, the name is blanking. But then the other one, her name was uh, Abby Goldsmith. She has a series called the, the Torth series. Yeah, but uh oh, and the uh, Natalie Herbert series is called the Inside Out. Mm -hmm. well, Inside Out. Yeah, I can see if I could uh, shoot you their emails. I'll I'll reach out to them, see if I can help you. I'll get them on your podcast too. Oh, and then I also had another lady. She's uh I forgot the name of her book, but she she has some wild stories also. Yeah. Cool, cool. I'll take I'll take anybody who's interested, yeah. although. My my target guest is probably more someone like you. I'm assuming you haven't read too many romance novels. Nah, I usually read like when I read stuff. I usually read like uh, fantasy. I used to read a lot conspiracy books. Like uh, conspiracy. Well, not conspiracy. I probably have them. More like uh, what's this? What's it called? I forgot the name of it. The name is Blanken. That they made the movies about it too. The Da Vinci Coach and like the Yeah, but so sorry, what? No, I was trying to think. See, that's the thing. I've got a romance novel for every person. Okay. Right? What would you recommend me? I I would recommend Linda Howard's All the Queen's Men. All the Queen's Men. Okay. Yeah, it's it's a bit of a a spy thriller with a conspiracy. Okay, I'm gonna do my homework. Uh, see, you know what? Let's see. I'll try to. I'll read it and then I'll reach out to you. See if I could get the, get on the book club. We do an episode. Give my honest take. With you know what what it is though too. Um, weirdly enough, being from like what. You, you're from the. So, where do you live currently? You, are you back in Staten Island or are you in Brooklyn or like or New York City area? I'm, I'm upstate. Oh, I, you're can't, upstate. I can't afford. Yeah, I can't afford the city. Okay, okay. No, it's, it's cool. I'm, I'm out of the city too. But, um. So, uh, what I was going to say is, uh, weirdly enough, like when I moved to like the United States, because I was raised in the Caribbean, 
uh, the books that we were introduced to in middle school, it was kind of like the only romance novels were kind of like trashy, like books about like young girls, like getting older men and shit. Like I, it threw me off. And then like the book for boys was like, it's a, it's a book called Monster. Uh, it's like a book from written by like a gangbanger. And it's just like, it's like these weird mentality that they were trying to force on people. Like, and I always like, that kind of threw me off. Yeah, well, that's the thing. So many people have the the idea of like the romance novel as the old school Harlequin, mm-hmm. you know, where it's basically like raising the millionaire's baby mm-hmm. or something. Literally. And and that shit still exists. Like, there's definitely some people into that. But that is a very tiny slice of okay. the genre. Right right now I've got I've got set to record uh, a book about Navy SEALs. Um recording that on Tuesday. Later today I'm recording uh, a mail order bride book, but he's an alien. Oh shit. So <laughs> it's very it's very it's a cute novella set in the style of sort of like the Western mail order bride mm. setup classic but it's an but alien it's, oh uh, it's a, a legal alien or an actual alien no like a space alien like okay. they're on a planet <laughs> the farm she's going to is on another planet on the other side of the galaxy and the dire situation that forced herself to become a mail order bride is that like humans are a species that it's illegal to own and she's afraid of what will happen if she doesn't get herself like a new legal situation, right? She's very afraid she's going to get sold to a brothel on the black market. Oh, shit. Yeah. Um, what else do I have? I have another uh, drama called Envy that's basically in the pipeline. That's about um, an, an author in a wheelchair like plotting his revenge on the guy who basically the attempted murder mm-hmm. of this guy of her was what put him in the wheelchair. Oh, shit, right. Man. Okay. So there's so like it, a, a it, whole bunch of different ones. Right. So like, and the, are you the actually genre, reading, are you actually reading the, like the paperbacks, like the actual books I, or you audio book? I've read all of these books multiple times. Okay. And nice. I'm I'm them. basically rereading and and listening to the audiobook as a way of like keeping it fresh so that I can record. Mm-hmm. Okay, nice. But that that's sort of the whole point the whole premise of the podcast, right? This is a book that I've read like a hundred times, you know, and can summarize in my sleep and you know, like I'm familiar with the nuance. What is what is the impression of a fresh pair of, pair of eyes? Mm-hmm. Okay, nice. But definitely gonna check that out. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna subscribe on Spotify. I'll I'll see if, to, to see if it's available. Cause sometimes you know that your podcast is available everywhere, but you just haven't claimed it or something like that. It's weird, but um. I'm definitely gonna subscribe to your podcast. I'm gonna make sure to make sure to send me over all the links. We'll talk after, but uh, 
Anything else that you want to leave with the people before we get out of here or no? You know, just be kind and remember you don't know everybody else's situation. Yeah. Yeah, it's been so. It's been a great podcast. It's been a great podcast. I really appreciate you sharing your story. Got to get you on again so we could go dive deeper into. Well, well, we could dive into it. We could get back into the uh, go back into autism because I know it's was probably way more that you weren't able to cover, and um, and then we get into more stuff about your podcast. But just like that, it's been a great episode. I appreciate you for stopping by again. Thank you for your time, and. Uh, Make sure you guys like, comment, and subscribe. Follow us on Instagram at nfs.pod. Follow me on Instagram at sunny.nycc. Give a give a review on any of the apps you guys are on, man. Give us a five star review, man, or or whatever. If you didn't like it, give us give give a regular a one star and just let us know how, how we can improve. Any criticism is taken. But just like that, it's been a great episode, guys. Thank you once again. Appreciate you for stopping by. Peace.